for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we talk to entrepreneurs, chefs, home cooks and food lovers about our first love, food. Today on the show, we have Hamish and Susie from Christchurch. They have started a website called Make It To You, what they call is an online farmer's market. So without further ado, let's have them on to the show. Hi, Susie. Hi, Hamish. How are you? Hi. Hi. Great. Thank you. Great. So, um, Susie, why don't we start with you? Can you tell me a little bit about your background? Have you always grown up around food? Um, I have, and um, I suppose I've really got passionate about food since, really since having children and, um, yeah, and trying to be as healthy as possible um, and trying to get them to be as healthy as possible. Um, yeah. So and that's your husband. I, and your husband. And my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Great. And um, what is like, could you maybe share one of your earliest like food memories or something that you remember as a kid about food? Um, I was never, I was never that healthy growing up, actually. Um, And I didn't really understand nutrition that well. Um, I suppose, since I've got older, understanding nutrition and health and, um, you know, all the, all the things that are not good for you um and all the things that are good for you um you're very disciplined now aren't you i've noticed that susie's probably the most healthy eater i've ever known in my life and you're extremely you're more less disciplined with us but you're still mm. like you've removed sugar from my tea and all those mm. sort of things but everything think, we eat is very wholesome, but you yourself are incredibly disciplined about what you eat, aren't you? I, I oh my gosh, Susie, I need you in my house then. <laughs> I think I go on a diet like every two weeks. So, <laughs> But it's not just it's, that you're disciplined. You, um, It's not about how much you eat, but you're very focused on eat, only putting stuff in you that's good. You love that sort of idea mm, of food as medicine, don't you, really? Yeah, I think that I've, I've read quite a lot on nutrition, and the more I read, the more the more passionate and I get about it, really. Um, and it's great. I mean, our boys are so healthy and well because of the good food that they eat. And I feel very healthy and well for a 40, turned 46 today, Berzin. Uh, oh, yes. Happy birthday, Hamish. Thank you. And Susie feeds us. Um, I mean, so, for example, this morning we had beautiful homemade newsly that Susie made for us. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, I'm trying. And it's, well, with the lockdown, I'm... I'm learning more about. Um, I'm. Ne- I've never been a great baker, but I'm starting to bake. We but eat these beautiful yeah. breads every day that Susie makes, and they're just. They're and actually, just they're quite easy. Beer bread. <laughs> so, yeah, and the thing is that once you've had homemade bread, I just feel you can't ever go back. Mm. Like when now, when I get supermarket bread, I just I'm mm. like, Ugh. especially white bread. Like if I have supermarket white bread, I just don't enjoy it. I'd rather not eat it. There's I mean, a sort of a gas in homemade mm. bread, isn't there? There's a sort mm. of a it's not just the physical, but there's this kind of flavour coming off it. Like it's trapped in the bread. It's amazing. But it's also the, um, there are no preservatives, which is the biggest thing that no one really knows about bread is that supermarket bread's full of preservatives that are not that good for you, whereas homemade bread doesn't have all that. Yeah. Um, 
The same with homemade baking. It doesn't have any preservatives or added colors and added. Yeah. And I think that's the thing for me for home food. Like it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I do make quite a lot of chocolate mousse and cakes at home. So Susie, you can tell me off later. But <laughs> no, the thing is, at least homemade, you know what you've put in it. So you kind of know how much to have or, you know, just, um, uh, yeah, I just feel like, it's you can taste the love when it's made from home that's right and and it is how and it is healthier because you've home made it and it doesn't have all the all the nasties in it but there's also um, just a, something about the freshly cooked breads and other things you make and the mueslis that they just have a they're still you can they're still in that fresh um, state and you can there's a whole experience of eating them which is just much richer than something which has been in a pack dried out for a long period of time mm, definitely so for you Hamish um, I believe you have a background in marketing so how did you go from marketing to having your own business and what's the kind of transition been like for you yeah well, it's a really good question so yeah, my career I started out um, well I grew up on a farm in Canterbury um, on a sheep and cropping farm in the Canterbury foothills and so um, you know, you do grow up. Food's a big part of your life in that in that world. We, you know, you eat a lot of beautiful roast lambs and and fresh vegetables and stuff. It is that kind of stuff. Um, and then my career, I have a sort of a, a natural bent for language based pursuits. You know, I'm, I'm good with language, and so that leads you into marketing um, or law or one of those kind of careers. And I ended up in London uh, working on on large brands as an advertising executive, um, which was a great time in my youth. Um, and then I slowly sort of morphed into a business leader, marketing leader for businesses. And so that then gave me a good grounding in starting businesses. I was you know working on tech, but tech startups. I launched various broadband services in the UK with some of the big uh, telcos over there and stuff. And so all of that gave me a lot of grounding in in technology and in, in business and particularly sort of uh, new business, new technology businesses. And so when I came back to New Zealand, um, I was uh, working for, well, I was working for first Tate Electronics and then for Fonterra as a marketing person. But I um, ha we have a lot of friends. We live in the countryside north of Christchurch and um, we have a lot of friends with well, food and wine businesses, and I was just mm -hmm. advising a, a good friend of ours on how to grow their wine business using my background in marketing, and um, the idea for Make It UK came out of that when I could see that these guys really ought to be selling direct, you know, the technology, the, the social media platforms, everything's there now to help people sell direct, but you need to do it collectively, otherwise you're competing against each other. So if you're bidding against the other guy for the traffic on the internet, then you're both losing and the money is just going to Google. Whereas if they get together, then everyone's winning because you, you, you're you not competing for those uh, Google clicks. So the idea for Make It You came about. Um, I've always lusted after doing a tech startup. You know, it's always been my hankering to do that, but I'd never had the opportunity. And then this amazing woman that I'm married to said, well, um, I can build this idea you've got and and she just said about it and we would go away on holiday we go camping every year and Suze would bring her laptop on 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 the camping holiday <laughs> and stay up till till midnight in the farmer's cottage working away on it and then show me what she'd built and I wouldn't really know what, what I was looking at this kind of code and back backing and engineering and things that were talking to each other as they should and this kind of stuff 
and it, and it just sort of took shape, didn't it, Susan? I, I, I hoped she would be able to do it, but, you know, it's such a big, complex thing, make it you. I didn't know for certain. And then a couple of years in, she suddenly said, "This, it's finished. It's all working. It's doing what it needs to do. Um, and it sure it was. I mean, it needed still needed um, some further work to make it look beautiful as it does now. And and so then, uh, by sort of by default, we were in business. Person, it wasn't. There was no kind of moment where we decided to go into business. It, it was ready to go, and, and and we had to make it. We just had to publicize it and and put the people around it, the the other people that it needed, and customer support and finance and all the other things to help us do those bits. And that's all in place now, and and, and we're in business. <laughs> Awesome. So, Susie, let's take a step back. Can you just um, tell us what exactly is Maker to You? So, Maker to You is basically what well, we call it an online farmers market. It's where makers of anything from wine, beer, cheese, any artisan producer can, who produces in New Zealand can set up a store for free on Maker to You. Um, and sell direct to their customer. Um, and so we only take a little cut. We take 10% commission when they have a sale. Um, and, and, and and I think the idea of it is, you know, these are small businesses. And, yes, they can build a website uh, and do it all themselves. But it, it's really expensive building a very good website. And um, then you've got to maintain it and then you've got to keep updating it with the new technologies and integrating it with various things and, and, and enriching it, you know, the sort of the feature set. That's really hard for one organization to do, but the idea that hundreds are all going to do it to that standard is pretty unlikely. So the great thing about Make It You is we're doing that. Mm-hmm. We're building, we're, we're, you know, our, we're committed to this journey of building just a better and better and better platform for everyone to have these stores within. Mm-hmm. So they get, all of that and the back-end customer support and everything for free effectively unless they make a sale. And then and then the marketplace pays the credit card fees for them. Mm, so that's part of the 10%. Pays the banking cost to put the money into their account from the credit card company mm, um, okay. and, and, and et cetera. So it's putting all of that in one package and giving it to them as mm, this kind of launch and, pad for their business. And the big thing why we set up, why we thought of Make It To You was – um, we were sad that that that, uh, that makers were not getting back their margins that the middlemen take, yeah. um, and so that was a big reason why. Yeah, I mean, we, we came heard, up with the idea that we heard these horror stories and you know amazing businesses. Um, it's very cutthroat the supermarket game, and New Zealand's a duopoly, so it, you know there's just two people um, running it. Yeah, or two we'll groups. We'll call them middlemen. Two middlemen and. <laughs> And um, and so they just, you know, they, they basically play one maker in that category off against the other makers in that category. And if you want to be in here, then you've got to, you know, you've got to be prepared to give us more of the, the thing and you've got to be prepared to do this and that and the other. And around the world, it gets really nasty. Margin, so. Yeah, and it gets really nasty and there's all these, yeah. if you don't and sell I would your- guess that I would guess that not everyone's kind of supermarket ready, right? Like you would be perhaps like ready for, um, you know, being at your local farmer's market, potentially Mm -hmm. doing some more sales to it. But it's a spectrum. Like I don't think that on the day you launch, you're ready to go to supermarket. That brings with it its own kind of supply chain problems. So there's a whole lot of different things that Maker to You addresses. One of them is, um, and we had a lot of interest from the guys at um, the food sciences thing, is, is 
when you're launching a new food product, how do you meaningfully test that product with an, with an audience? And, and their only option is to go and stand in a, in a, in a you know, pretty poorly presented tent at a farmer's market and hope people will try it. And that's a great test if it works well. But, you know, you might get a bad day at the farmer's market. You might not get many people try your product. And they, they, they may not be the people you would ultimately want to sell it to. There might be a different um, profile of, of customer that's coming to that farmer's market to the ones who really would like your product and so on. So it's very hard to test a new uh, product in market. So what make it to you and is give them a I think, sorry, they, sorry to interrupt. You go on. It just gives them this platform where they can put the product up, set their stock levels at a sensible level. So that if they've only got 500 jars of it, they can put up 500 jars, get some branding. And they can really test it. And we had a we had a a friend who's an incredible chef. I mean, she really is mm, an incredible. She is amazing. I mean, We're, you just go to her. We love going yeah. for dinner. These guys, these guys have a winery, and and but um, they're real, really talented uh, mm. across the spectrum on everything they do, really. But their food is amazing. And she has always, I mean, she makes all sorts of things, but she's always made this incredible biscotti. And people try it and go, that's the best biscotti I've ever had, you know, ever, anywhere in the world. That is just because she sort of studied the best and she's and she makes it. So she's always had this uh, interest in trying to commercialize it, but she didn't really know how. And, and for her, Make It To You is going to make that really simple because yeah. she just needs to get her kitchen certified. She needs yeah. to get her branding in place. And now it's easy for to, to get your food certificate. Yeah, it's not hard. Um, because you don't need a commercial kitchen now. You, can you just do get your food your, plan and, and from your kitchen. Yeah, so she so she can she can um, test market her biscotti on make it to you at no cost to her and and see how it goes. And you know that's we really see it as that kind of uh, launch pad that takes you from from having no business maybe one day to being an export success. And you're right. Mm. Um, some people are are going to get into the supermarket. Some people that's not where they want to go. And it's complementary to the to the farmers' markets. Exactly. Yeah. And I think also a major issue that I've seen with farmers' markets is most of them have permanent stalls. So it's quite hard for like a newbie to kind of get in. At least that's the case over here mm-hmm. in Auckland's farmers' markets that I've been to. You know, it's mm-hmm. got the usual mm-hmm. roster of people. Um, so it's quite hard to just even cut through and convince the market organizers to kind of give you that break mm-hmm. um and then you're also then committed to that particular market which you may find after five or six weeks doesn't work out for you you know so why why continue to kind of be there and and what we want you know i mean um really the the, the perfect scenario for make it you is that it helps a thousand flowers bloom all around mm-hmm. new zealand you know there's just so many talented people like our friend juliet who can make these incredible products but there's never been an ecosystem that allows them to express themselves easily um mm. and, see, and see how well their product can sell and mm. so you know we we we, we long long term see make it you as providing support on the development of their branding um okay pr- uh, providing them with support on getting them their packaging right you know getting them into really ecologically friendly packaging getting their yeah because packaging is a huge challenge like so, I mean, I found that with myself as well. I've wanted to, so I'm secretly harboring um, a business, which hopefully I will launch one day on Make It To You, about making, you know, like ready to cook kind of like Indian paste. Um, yeah. I even have like a really cool name for it. It's going to be called um, It's Not Curry. 
<laughs> and uh, but you know that's the problem like you need to still figure out the packaging and the yeah. marketing and um, you know you really kind of need someone to handhold you through that process yeah. beyond the kind of you know submitting your safety plan and getting a license like yes mm -hmm. that part is easy but then how do you actually take it to market like I potentially see um, a huge kind of gap over there where someone can really help out entrepreneurs totally and that's yeah. that's exactly what we want to be so and we've got some amazing people on our team already who can help with a lot of that um, and, and, and equally helping with your export readiness as well. If you if you want to sell your product internationally, helping you go through those processes. So, so we really hope that MakerDU will become able to do all of that for, for new makers. So your branding's not very good. Well, you know, we'll help you get that right. Your product photography is not very good. Well, well, we'll, we'll help you get that right. And we'll do these things for free because if your success becomes our success down the line, then, then it's worth doing. So um, we have a, we have a vision for a maker to you van. And we actually were on the phone this morning with one of the people who might be in this van and it travels around New Zealand, visiting our makers, doing great content about them, about their business, about their background, their vision, about their products. But also it, the, inside the van, we've got the equipment to redo their product photography and we've got some graphic design competence on, on, the, on the laptops in the van so that we can help them experiment with what their branding might look like. You know? and, and then beyond that, we might build a network of agencies where we get, and we've already been talking to a few design agencies where we can give you know, negotiated discounts for our makers to go in there and, and work with them and getting the all of the um, labeling correct on your products as well. Just having people who've been through mm -hmm. that and who know what you do and don't have to have on your products to make sure that they're compliant with regulations and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this all sounds, sounds really great. So... Susie, you guys launched just around the time the country went into lockdown. Mm. Was that something that you guys planned or like, can you give me a glimpse of like what it means to launch a business at such a time when, you know, like yeah. everyone's dropping out like flies? Mm. So um, we hadn't planned to launch quite so quickly, but mm -hmm. um, we were planning to launch within the next few months. Um, but since lockdown we had we had to get it out as quickly as possible to to help all our makers really um it yeah it's been really really tough for for, for them all and um well they've seen their orders to hospitality uh, particularly just drop you know a lot of these a lot of these guys are selling to cafes bars restaurants it's, that just vanished yeah. before lock well before lockdown mm, and export yeah. orders export orders dropped yeah um, so now it's yeah, it, 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 and it's growing so quickly now, and and it's just so lovely to be able to help help these wonderful businesses. Yeah, I mean these are the best people. You know, mm. these are the best possible uh, people. I get a bit mm. teary eyed talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it's hard, right? Like, I mean, even uh, for this podcast, like I've been wanting to approach a few people, and they're like, we'll just take it. A few weeks later because we don't know if we're kind of going to be around and that just um that's so upsetting because mm. for artisan makers i mean you know this is kind of like the one 
and the only thing that you're doing. So um, having been in the food business myself, I can just, uh, you know, my heart kind of goes out to them. So I think, I mean, moving up your launch has been such a great kind of uh, way to help out these people and and give them another platform. As Susie can testify, I'm a real blubber, and I did just start blubbing them when I tried to tell you about that, but I'm okay again now. But, Mm. you know, these are the best people you could work with. They're hardworking. They're passionate. They're employing people and creating the future in their communities, and some of them grow into really significant employers in the future. And, you know, to see them suffering as as their businesses have suffered and their families and just to think about what it feels like in their shoes – you know, they're confronting a very uncertain future right now. Uh, and so to be able to come into that for Susan and I and, and, and give them hope and give them a mm. path forward and say, mm. look, this is the future of, e- of retail and it's actually going to be exciting because we've got this, you know, we love telling them about the opportunity to do aggregated export because that's a light at the end of the tunnel for these guys. Mm. They go, wow, okay, mm. I can get that. This is really simple. If we're all on one platform, then it's really easy to aggregate our export and get that shipping cost down to zero. And So mm. um, that's been really positive. Boy, it's been tiring there, hasn't it, Suze? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah, around the clock. It has. So no extra yoga classes for you during the lockdown, is it? No. no I haven't been able to do <laughs> and our poor wee boys are complaining. Our poor, our poor boys complain that mummy and daddy do nothing but work on Make It You. Mm. We have amazing friends helping us. Really amazing okay. group of friends. Um, I mean, Liz has been incredible. Yeah. Crystal's been incredible. John's been incredible. Chris has been incredible. Star's been incredible. Jess. So we've got a whole bunch of friends who have been doing different things. So, for example, when a maker sets up their store, quite often, you know, they get their shipping all mucked up because they don't really understand what they're doing and they've mm. done it before. And we, you know... We've now got a 280 stores. Yeah, 280. Holy. That's, I mean, you guys launched like three weeks ago, right? Like 280. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, people like Liz, she just, she's amazing, isn't she? She just yeah. patiently rings up the maker and says, look, and what not- were you trying to achieve when you set up this store? And they say, well, listen, this. Like, okay, well, that's great. Okay, well, so we'll just change this to that and this to that. And, and, and the great- before you know it, they're selling and they're happy. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about everyone on our team, on Maker to You, on the team, that they all have the same passion. So it's, you know, passion for food and passion for businesses and passion for helping. Well, the possible um, exception of John is not that passionate about food. He's passionate about logistics. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, logistics guys are always kind of like in their own little zone i found in their own bubble but he really knows so johnny's really exciting for our makers because he's uh he helps set up dhl in iraq uh he oh, wow. he um he handled the freight logistics internationally for um canterbury seeds for a long time and so you know, that, when I talked earlier about that ecosystem of expertise that we're trying to bring together to put at the disposal of this community of makers, he's a really good example because he's negotiated container freight all over the world thousands of times. He knows every trick of the trade. He knows how to get that cost down. That's going to be made available to our makers once we start exporting. They'll be able to get this guy's brilliance at negotiating container freight serving their little business, which is something they could never afford on their own. But as a group, yeah. it suddenly works. 
Definitely. So how are you guys getting the word around? So these 280 shops, are they primarily kind of around Christchurch? Or are they kind of like yeah. spread all over New Zealand now? How? What's kind of worked for you in terms of telling people that, you know, you guys are there? The, um, the makers are all over New Zealand. Um, at the beginning, before we launched, we were um, emailing and um following them on Instagram and sending them messages. Um, and that brought on about 100, 100, 100 stores. We, we but thought, now I think people are starting to tell, it, tell each other. They I know, think, about, I think, it. They know um, about it now. now. Yeah. They're all helping each other. And that's the amazing thing, isn't it, with the makers? They, they want each other to succeed. To, as I said, they're just the best. These people are the best people you could possibly work with. Hmm. Um, and that's such a I mean I think it's two things it's such a Kiwi thing and then it's such a like a food business thing yeah. like um, I know having had my business I always I really used to cook when I had my own business and I just like you know go to my friend's restaurant or whatever but there's that real kind of camaraderie of yeah. wanting to support each other and yeah. wanting everyone to kind of grow at the same time well they support that's their right. competitors I mean in what space do you see one wine guy, I mean, we had this yesterday. Yeah. This wine guy was saying, oh, I had this amazing experience sitting at my store. It's so easy. I really loved it. He, his exact words were, I've fallen in love with the site. And then <laughs> I'm trying to convince all the other winemakers to set up all stores. Too. All, you know, it's like, wine, but these are your competitors. What are, these yeah. are just amazing people, and they know that together mm-hmm. we're all much stronger, you know. So, yeah. so they have that kind of community that kind of community mindset and it's really wonderful to it's really really um positive to work with these people mm. Mm. so um i mean you hinted on the export kind of thing and the wholesale thing but i think for our listeners could you tell us a little bit about like where you see maker to going beyond this initial launch like about your growth plans sure so can i do this one yeah so um I, I sort of think about it in three phases. I'll just answer the earlier question, which is how did we get the makers on board? Because it's really quite technically interesting for me as a marketing guy. So we thought we would be going around New Zealand to farmers markets and 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 giving them a card or something because we didn't really know how you'd reach them. But social media is just phenomenal. And we honestly have achieved most of what we've done without leaving home by just using social media because these guys are actually pretty social media savvy as well. So that's how we got so many makers on board was using social media. Um, so I see... Good old Instagram stalking. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I genuinely believe um, but Instagram and Facebook, these guys, I mean, they've given that voice, right, to um, so these artists and makers. It's powerful and it's game changing for these yeah. guys. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so, yeah. So, um, your question about uh, the future. So, we see Make It You as sort of a three phase play. Phase one is is getting the makers on and getting the B two C business going. So that's kind of where we're at right now, particularly with everyone in lockdown. So there's actually no hospitality industry right now in New Zealand functioning. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's that's. Uh, the sort of the the original concept is a b2c concept but we from obviously from day one realized that there was also a b2b element to make it to you and we had a lovely inquiry yesterday from a guy who's running a luxury lodge and rotorua or somewhere just saying you know when's make it you going to be ready for us to start buying on it too because you know we've let a few people know that it's going to be a wholesale platform too so that's ready now but it's certainly not as good as it needs to be yet from a buyer's perspective because 
Um, a lot of the makers haven't yet got their wholesale pricing in there, and it's not that easy to filter to only see the buyers who do have their wholesale pricing. But that's because we launched, as Susie said, a couple of months before we were ready, and we just haven't had time to put in all of those wholesale features yet. But you know, once we complete those, then their experience is going to be uh, they can come in. They obviously have to go through a process of showing us who they are, which is just we just check out their business and make sure it's a it's a hospitality business of some sort. They create a they create a profile, profile. and as a bar, restaurant. a restaurant, or a or a B and B or a hotel or whatever they are. Um, and then they'll be able to go through the makers and and buy wholesale, which is all there now. They, they they could do that now, but it's just not that easy to find the makers with their wholesale pricing set up. Um, so they'll be able to filter just to see that. But we see the next phase for them is is actually a dedicated wholesale buying app. And so that's in development now uh, with Chris, our lead developer. He's just sort of sketching out how it's all going to work. And essentially what that will do is it will make buying from this community of makers extremely easy for people in wholesale. So they'll be able to use the app to browse through the product category that they want. Let's say they want to buy some chutney. They'll be able to browse through the chutneys and 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 they'll be able to order, you know, we'll encourage the makers to offer samples. So they'll be able to order a sample of that chutney, get it delivered, and then they'll be able to set up a repeating order for that chutney so that, yep, I think I'm going to want six jars of that chutney every, every month or every week or whatever it is. And then it'll have nice features like, oh, you've got an order for chutney coming up. Do you do you want to snooze it or complete it? And you'll be able to say, oh, actually, I haven't got through as much chutney as I thought I would. I'll snooze that. So you better set up an, a, a portfolio of repeating orders, which is going to make it much easier to run a hospitality business uh, than it currently is, partly because um, you're not going to need to give your time to sales calls or salespeople, you know, which is really, if you're running a tight ship, that's actually, we've talked to quite a few people in that business who say that's a pain having to stop to try something with somebody when they are there. Whereas with Make It A You, you and that maker can connect and at a time that's convenient for you. Um, yeah. So that so and and then ultimately we'd love that to connect through to you know sort of stock control RFID stuff whatever we can do so that the system becomes as automated as it possibly can. So these makers have got this lovely platform that's allowing hospitality buyers to have automated ordering from them effectively. Um, and make everybody's lives much easier by using this technology platform that no individual company could could justify having on their own. And then, um, and sorry? I would say it would help the maker as well, right? Because then they can kind of project what's yeah. coming down the track and how much to kind of buy or stock or exactly. You know, exactly. that kind of thing. So you'll get all those forward orders Push through to your um, to your store, saying, you know, we we are projecting these this level of ordering from your store going out for the next twelve months, and um, so you know, make sure you're prepared. And we could even tie that through and say, look, you know, your stock control is indicating you don't have that as much as is required. So either notify people they have to have to shop somewhere else. So it's better for the buyer as well because they know if they can't get it, they're not going to be putting an order through that can't be completed. Um, so, so, so that's really cool. And then that's the second phase. So there's B to C, B to B, and then there's the export stage. And that's, um, that's about, uh, making the platform, uh, visible to buyers in specific target cities offshore where we can get very direct container freight out of New Zealand, either out of Tauranga or Timaru. 
and mm-hmm. um, and that will you, you'll have to qualify your products to be visible to buyers in that audience by going through the paperwork on make you to confirm that you meet what's required to take that type of product into that market and then the, uh, our team will authorize you to be visible you'll be visible you'll start receiving orders let's say from Singapore uh, let's say I don't know a, a, whole, a whole foods store in Singapore might start placing orders with you those orders will then go into a um, what I what I call a virtual sea container 20-foot container coming out of either Tauranga or Timaru and um, it won't execute through to the maker. The maker will get notice that there is an order pending, but that won't be confirmed until we get to a full C container, or at least let's say 80% of a full C container. Then those orders will all cascade out to the makers saying, you've now got a live order, please fulfill it to Tauranga or Timaru. And um, all those shipments will be made sort of within a 24, 48 hour period, which keeps everything really fresh. They go into the C container, it's packed up, um, by a logistics partner and, and dispatched uh, off to that target city. And the beautiful thing about this is because we've got John on our team and we can get all of that cost down, we can absorb that within the commission, which means that C container leg will be free for the maker. Um, they wow, so that would be in the existing kind of 10% structure that you have yeah, going now? Yeah, and, and, and it's worth noting that the 10% was bought in because of COVID and we wanted to help the makers, but we've always intended settling on long-term commission of 13.5% to help us cover okay. all. There's some, there's some chance that maybe we won't need to do that because we don't want to we don't want to make too much profit out of this. We want to leave the profit with the makers, but we obviously don't want to run at a loss either. So we just have to determine that commission over time. But right now we're sticking to 10% until you know the world economy comes right for our makers. So that could be two or three years, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, our, but but for us to negotiate a sea container, let's say to Singapore, uh, we we can we can get that for a couple of thousand dollars. Um, whereas if I was sending a pallet of wine as a winemaker to Singapore, I might be paying eight hundred dollars just for my pallet of wine. We can get you know many many pallets of wine into a sea container. Um, so by aggregating the the winemaker and the cheesemaker and the um, the biscuit maker and the muesli maker and all these other guys into that one container, we can actually get it down to the point where they only pay or the customer in Singapore or whichever city only pays for the courier from the maker to the port in New Zealand and from the port in Singapore to them in Singapore. And we pay, we pick up the cost of the container in the middle and the, and the cost of loading that container. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, and again, is that power of everyone coming together and collaborating through this ecosystem. And, you know, I believe that we can unlock enormous value by doing it. It's never been done before with all these small makers. If you think about something like Fonterra, well, what is Fonterra really? It's a whole lot of dairy farmers getting together and achieving a presence in the world that individually they couldn't have achieved. Um, Mm. You know, they're small businesses, they're independent businesses, dairy farms, but they sell collectively together and that's and that works. They can suddenly afford to have a dedicated sea container team. So Maker U is just trying to do that same thing for all of these small businesses, even though their products are different. Ultimately, it's very similar. Once it's in a box, it's, you know, it's, a, it's just a cardboard box going to Singapore with a whole lot of other cardboard boxes going to Singapore. Mm. Awesome. So I definitely need to 
get my A into G and get going with my food product before you launch your export stuff. <laughs> well, I, what I would say, Persian, at this stage is, you know, uh, everything that we've done has been funded either by um, people's time or by Susie and I out of our savings. And so we've always, you know, we've got our ambitions are very big for this. And we've had, we had one maker say to us, you know, what you're doing for small businesses is what a government department would do if they really sort of thought this thing through. And so um, we've always had a, a desire to get a sponsor on board to help us run faster than what we're earning uh, can deliver. Um, because, yeah. you know, if we can do that, we can deliver more value for New Zealand quicker than we can by just waiting until we can afford to do it out of out of what we're earning, which right now is zero. Like with the, We're still spending our savings to try to make this all happen for these makers. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, um, I just wish you both all the best of luck. And I just feel um, I've been a part of something like this in India. And um, unfortunately, that platform didn't quite make it through. But that was, again, because I think it was growth too fast too soon. What I think you guys are doing is just amazing, taking things one step at a time. And also, it's about, you know, makers coming together and having that kind of joint platform so i think it's amazing um now last question before we kind of wrap up so i like to call this the fast food section um okay so i um are you guys ready i'm gonna ask you like quick foodie food related questions okay okay susie if you were a vegetable which one would you be um Quick, quick, quick. Like a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin. <laughs> I don't see yourself as a pumpkin. I don't see you like a pumpkin, but okay. <laughs> pumpkin came uh, That's good. I like that. What would you be? You're, you're very sweet. You're very sweet. So you'd be like a sweet potato. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and Hamish, if you were a dessert, what would you be? Um, I would be... It's very wholesome, probably the very wholesome dessert. What, what's the most wholesome dessert you can have? Like a, 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 a oh, I'd be a, I'd be a um, what's that? Some beautiful summer summer pudding. Have you ever had summer pudding with the all the red berries and the bread in it? Oh, it's delicious. I'd be a summer pudding. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, um, Susie, one kitchen staple you must have in your pantry all the time. Oh, oh, um, salmon, isn't it? In the pantry, not in well, the pantry. The fridge, yeah, oh, in the, in the pantry. Well, in the fridge. Okay, that will, that will do. Super oh, yeah. love uh, salmon. Yeah, I love salmon. We'll eat that every day. So, Hamish, one food item you'd buy every time you shop, not salmon, excluding okay. salmon. One food item I'd buy every single time I shop. Um, okay. Wheat bakes. I love <laughs> wheat bakes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's good. So we have one kind of Kiwi cliche in here. So that's good. <laughs> um, and this one's for both of you. So what's the coolest new kind of food item or artisan item that's available on Make to You that you would recommend our listeners should go try out? Oh, there's so many oh, cool ones. So many. You had some chocolate. We had some beautiful chocolates from mm-hmm. Potter Brothers chocolates. Um, oh, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed. This was brilliant. The mojito from the Good Cocktail Company. So I, I used to really love mojitos in London, and this company called the Good Cocktail Company in New Zealand make these non-alcoholic mixes, 
And, um, you know, you, well, you don't expect it to taste better than the real thing, but well, better than one made in a bar, but this really mm. does. It's absolutely really, really beautiful mojito. Okay. All right. Well, definitely going to go check those out. So um, that's it from me. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on to the Kiwi Foodcast. I loved listening to uh, your story and um, wishing you both all the best of luck. Thank, Thank you for you your time much. and your support, Piz, and we really yeah. appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.